Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 224 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. We are winding down the calendar year, and we are getting into the home stretch here of the 2021 NFL season. Obviously, a massive game Saturday night. The New England Patriots, still the top seed overall in the AFC, travel to the Midwest to take on the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday Night Football. That's right. We're getting to the most wonderful time of the year, friends. Not only do we have the holidays coming up, of course, but we now are getting bowl season. We're getting Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening football in the NFL. As a kid growing up, I always loved that, right? When you started getting those Saturday games uh, during the holidays, it was always a ton of fun. And so we get that this week. You've got the Raiders at the Browns at 4.30, and then you've got Colts-Patriots on Saturday night. Unfortunately, the NFL is dealing with a COVID outbreak right now. We're seeing a lot of players on the Browns, for example, popped up on the COVID list on Tuesday, and now here on Wednesday morning, head coach Kevin Stefanski is now self-quarantined and after a positive COVID test. And so I, I saw a joke on Twitter earlier this week that the comeback player of the year is COVID, and a little bit of gallows humor there for you to start off your Wednesday. But what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about this Colts-Pats game on Saturday night. First half of the show, I'm going to talk about what to expect when the Patriots have the ball. Second half of the show, I'm going to talk about the Colts' offense a bit. But before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do a follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at a variety of places. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Matt Waldman's Quick Game RSP podcast, which drops every Tuesday. Matt and I did a very long episode on, on Tuesday um, that's up right now. You can check that out. Also, bat, by Matt's RSP. It's one of the most informative things you will read every single year. Every single year he ups his game. Every single year I'm blown away by it. It is a resource I use when Matt talks skill players. When Matt talks players, period, I listen, so you should too. So check out the Matt Waldman Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Also, of course, Pat's Pulpit, uh, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Radio with Rachel Prevett, uh, Blogging the Boys, where I do Dak Watch each week, which is basically Mac Attack, but for Dak Prescott. So a lot of places you can find me. Let's talk Saturday night. And we'll start with a pretty simple premise. A simple premise offered by... The sage philosopher Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until they're punched in the mouth. And I I used that in a a lengthy piece I did over at USA Today, talking about what to expect when the Patriots have the football Saturday night. Because it's pretty clear with respect to plans, the Indianapolis Colts have a plan for this game. Here's a quote from slot corner Kenny Moore. One of the best slot corners in the game. Quote, I feel like to win a ball game, you have to be able to run the ball. And to win a ball game on defense, you have to be able to stop the ball. I think whoever is going to do it the best without making the most mental mistakes is going to win the ball game. We know the Patriots. They know us well. Going in there, watching the film, we do see a lot of run on the film. And we're going to see who's more physical this week. We're all telling each other to bring the pads. I can't wait. And here's defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Buffalo game. Obviously, they had 50-mile-per-hour winds coming off Lake Erie. So I don't know if you can look at that game and say, hey, yeah, that's what they're going to do week in, week out. 
You look at the whole body of work, which is it's a very efficient offense run and pass. They've done a nice job of utilizing their skill at the running back level as well as the receiver level. The tight ends that they have, they've done a good job with that. Then obviously with the quarterback and the efficiency of the quarterback. So I think you look at the whole body of work, and they've done a nice job, but I think you have to break it down for what it is and then kind of go from there. And so Kenny Moore is talking about being physical and how you have to stop the run, Everflus being a little more broad-based with his approach. But perhaps the Colts' approach to this game was best summed up by linebacker Bobby Okaruke. When he said this earlier this week, he said, we're going to really try to make the game one-dimensional and see what Mac Jones can do. Which, in the wake of the Buffalo game, probably isn't a surprise, right? You see what the Patriots do on a night where Mac Jones throws three passes and they just decide, look, we're going to run the football. The Patriots decide we're going to run the football and they're able to do that. And so the Colts, they see that and they think, all right, we're going to stop the run and see what Mac Jones can do. Now, some numbers that might back up their plan. You look at team DVOA ratings over at Pro Football Outsiders. In terms of run DVOA, run defense DVOA, New England Patriots check in at sixth overall, sixth best in the league. Who's there at five? The Indianapolis Colts. You look at EPA per play from a defensive perspective when opponents run the football. Who checks in at number five? The Indianapolis Colts. And they're ahead of New England, who's at eight. Interestingly enough, though, Buffalo was actually number two in terms of rush EPA from a defensive perspective. These numbers provided by the brilliant Ben Baldwin over at rbsdm.com, which is a tremendous resource. I, and, and the website is so user-friendly. Charts, graphs, quarterback stuff, I refer to it all the time. So there's an argument to be made that, look, if there's a team that's going to stop the run, it's the Colts. They've got some numbers to back up their plan. But like I said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And in the piece that I wrote, I included two lengthy quotes from Professor Bill Belichick on blocking, on fullbacks, on blocking angles and things like that. And I just want to include... This little bit about fullbacks. This is from a a quote he gave back in like 2018 during the James Devlin run, right? But whether the fullback carries the ball or doesn't carry the ball, the blocking angles from the backfield are different than they are from the line of scrimmage. And the ability to build a four-man surface or a three-man surface after the snap is different than being in a four-man surface and then trying to get to a three-man surface or being in a three-man surface and trying to get to a four-man surface by running the guy all the way across the ball. There's different blocking angles. It's just a fundamental difference. And you pair that with a quote from even earlier, 2014, where Belichick sort of went off on a tangent about the single wing, but there's this little snippet. That was the whole single win offense, was the balanced single win and then the overloaded single win, and then the box shifts back to the weak side. It was all overload blocking angles trying to create. You were just trying to show power over here, and now you've got power over there, and show power over here, and run counter back the other way, and all that. That was a huge part of the game. Blocking angles. Use of a fullback to create four-man surfaces from different angles. When you see the Patriots able to 
run against a 10-man box, for example. Now, I know defensive coaches will tell you the box count is only a part of the story. The gap count is something different. And when you've got condensed formations, when you're using a fullback, you're still creating extra gaps. And so, you know, a 10-man box might not mean the same you know, when you're in a condensed 21 personnel with a sixth offensive lineman as it does when you're spread out wide two by two and you've got a 10-man box. It's, it's completely different. And I get that. You know, but there is something sort of fundamental when you can run against those looks out of any formation, right? And, and so you have a great run defense, but you've got an offense and an offensive philosophy that's talking about creating blocking angles and using the fullback. And so you put that together. And in the piece I did over at USA Today, I highlight how the Patriots use the fullback, right? You know, you use the fullback on lead. I highlight a play, slant 34 lead, which is in the Patriots playbook as a hard downhill run. And you've just got the fullback, Jakob Johnson, aiming for the Mike linebacker. Obviously, we know crack toss, another way they use the fullback. And fullback run plays have been successful against this defense this year. 49ers, when they play the Colts back in Week 17, I, I've got a play where it's Kyle Juszczyk who leads Elijah Mitchell to the right side, takes on a linebacker to create the running lane. And on that play, you can see that three-man surface on the right side because they've got guard, tackle, tight end, become that four-man surface, right? Because now you've got Kyle Juszczyk leading the way, Three-man surface becomes four-man surface. Now when you insert the fullback leading the way, you've got extra gaps to account for from a run-fit perspective. And so there's how you can get the fullback involved. Creating the advantageous angles, right? You've got the New England Wham series, which I highlight. I highlight a play. thirty Ride 32 gut Wham. An inside attitude play in the Patriots playbook. There's, of course, G lead, which we saw over and over and over again against Buffalo, where you've got the fullback and the guard pulling. And teams have had success with similar designs. I've got examples from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've got examples from the Houston Texans. Washington's down front side, pulling people from the backside. So you can have success creating those advantageous angles. Then, of course, you've got crack toss, which kind of marries the two, right? You've got the fullback lead element. You've got the advantageous angles created by the crack block and the pull. And then, of course, with the Patriots on the Damian Harris touchdown run, you've got the guards getting up to the second level to wash out, you know, the Mike linebacker, and in this case, the Sam linebacker. And since it's crack toss weak, he's the backside backer on that play. And you've got examples of the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry, running crack toss and getting a big gain on the ground. So there's sort of a Colts plan and there's sort of a Patriots plan of their own, right? Colts, we're going to stop the run. We've, we've got the defense and the ability to do that. Patriots, well, yeah, but a, a team that in some cases may be better from a stop of the run perspective, Buffalo, right? As I mentioned, second right now in terms of run defense EPA per play. And we ran it against them and had success doing it. So you got your plan. We got our plan. Now let's take each swings, right? Let's see who really gets punched in the mouth. And for all the designs that I highlighted as being successful against the Colts and as being designs that the Patriots rely upon or variations of which they rely upon, 
There are also examples of that defensive front stopping those plays for minimal gains, for losses. And so the question then becomes this. From a Patriots perspective, if it's the Patriots that end up being the ones getting punched in the mouth, right? They go in, we're going to run the ball. This is what we do. Colts say, no, you're not. They start stopping the run. What happens there? What's the plan when the Patriots are the ones that get punched in the mouth? And I think the plan, obviously, from that point is the play-action passing game. The play-action passing game. And you go over to Pro Football Focus, you fire up their chart and data. Currently, fourth in the league in adjusted completion percentage on play-action throws behind Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. Mac Jones. And Mac Jones has a difference in his completion percentage of 8.8% on play-action throws versus traditional dropbacks. He has a difference in yards per attempt, a positive difference of 2.8 yards per attempt on play-action versus traditional dropbacks. And that difference of 2.8, seventh in the NFL. And so I think the Patriots' response to getting punched in the mouth is going to be, all right, We're still going to show you run looks, but we're throwing off of them. And in the piece, I highlighted how teams have done that, how teams have done play action. And interestingly enough, a lot of what teams have done is boot action concepts. You know, because generally speaking, in studying this Colts defense this week, I found that a lot of outside zone, wide zone was successful against them, trying to get to the edges. And so maybe the Patriots try some of that as well. We know, look, very diverse run scheme. You know, maybe their way to get to the edges is more crack toss. But boot action concepts are traditionally where teams go. Niners did a lot of it. The Titans have done a lot of that against them. Texans did some of that against them. But you're out, you do find examples of play action concepts working in the ways that the Patriots use play action, which is, as you expect, as you might be anticipating, play action with crossers attacking the second level of the defense. And so when the Patriots have the ball, I think both teams are expected to run stuff. And depending on who ends up getting punched in the mouth, we'll see how they adjust. And it might be the Mac Jones play action passing game that has to carry the day Saturday night. So we'll see on that end. Up next, I'm going to talk a little bit about when the Colts have the football. And we're going to kind of start in the same realm play-action passing game. That's ahead here in episode 224 of the SCO Show. Mark Sofield back with you now on episode 224 of the SCO Show. And before we dive in a little bit into the Colts offense and what I'm expecting to see from them on Saturday night, we get bowl games this weekend, right? So even before the Patriots sort of kick off on Saturday night, you've got two football games on Friday. Two bowl games on Friday. Bowl season gets underway at noon on Friday. You get the Bahamas Bowl, Middle Tennessee versus Toledo. And then at 6 p.m. Eastern, you get the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl, Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina. And I'm going to give you quickly... A reason to watch that game. A couple of reasons to watch that game, actually. One, Coastal Carolina's offense, Grayson McCall. They do some fun things conceptually. Some 
some Veer stuff, some Option stuff, some Pistol stuff. Ted Wynn wrote a long piece about it. I've covered it a little bit as well. It's a fun offense to watch. But part of the allure of bowl season is, let's face it, draft scouting. And so that leads us to tight end Isaiah Likely for Coastal Carolina. 6'4", 240. Local kid to many of you. Eastern Mass, Everett High School. Very athletic, move-type tight end. I've got to have a, a video breakdown of his game against Arkansas State going up a little later in this week. And so you can check that out. You can check out Isaiah Likely. So, hey, there's a reason to watch the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl. We got some incredible bowl game names this year. The RoofClaim.com, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I think my favorite this year, <laughs> the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl. I mean, anybody that's played PUBG has got to wonder, look, if you're going to spend money, improve the game. Don't sponsor a bowl game. Man, what a time to be alive. But enough on bowl games. Let's let's talk Carson Wentz. Um, as anybody that knows me knows that was a glorious version and journey through the English language there I'm a Carson Wentz guy I got an Eagles Carson Wentz jersey hanging in the closet upstairs and when this trade went down sending Wentz to the Colts I was out there with a lengthy piece examining his entire career arc in Philadelphia, and even in some senses starting with the draft process with him. And Wentz has shown at times this year that, okay, what I hope to see a more confident Carson Wentz has actually come to fruition. And so he's had some moments this year where you're like, yep, all right, he's back. Now, from a sort of statistical standpoint, you look at him in terms of EPA per play, completion percentage over expectation. You know, the EPA per play is pretty positive, right? EPA per play for Wentz is 0.140, which is pretty good. It's above league average. The completion percentage over expect, above expected, however, is a bit negative. It's below league average. What's interesting about watching Wentz is I think he's figured out some things mechanically. Particularly with the lower body. His lower body mechanics were a mess down the stretch in Philadelphia. But what's also been interesting is... We'll talk about the Colts run game in a second. But he's very successful throwing off of play action. And particularly going downfield. Now his completion percentage drops on play action throws by 1.1%. Not a huge drop, but a drop. But I mentioned earlier, Mac Jones was 7th in the NFL in terms of yards per attempt increase on play action versus play action, right? His yards per attempt jumped 2.8 on play action throws versus non-play action throws. 7th most in the league. Right behind him, Carson Wentz, 2.5. Wentz kind of attacks downfield on play action. And Wentz has 11 touchdown passes on play action designs this year which ties him for second in, I guess for third in the league because Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are tied at 12 
Wentz has thrown for 1,210 play action yards this year, which is fourth most in the league. 32.2% of all of his dropbacks are play action, which is fifth most in the league. So Wentz has been very successful on play action. And again, it's vertical stuff in the passing game. I, I highlighted some Wentz stuff earlier this year against the Texans where it's run game, but it's, you know, Mills, it's Verts. They're going downfield at times in the passing game. And then you combine it with some of the RPO stuff they've done. You know, you watch their game against Tampa Bay. And Frank Reich got a lot of criticism for not running the football. That criticism, I think, in large part misguided. That's a very good run defense. And if you want proof of that, look at how the Patriots played against Tampa Bay. They threw it all over the place because you don't want to run against them. But you watch that Colts-Tampa Bay game and it's a lot of RPO stuff where Wentz was making the decision, we're going to pull and throw on these. So they can go RPO quick game in sort of the run-play-action realm. They can go vertical stuff downfield in sort of the run-play-action realm. And why do they do a lot of play-action stuff? It's because their run game's very good. You know, for all the, you know, praise that's being put upon the Patriots' run game in recent weeks, they're ninth in rush DVOA over at Football Outsiders. Who's won? Indianapolis. In terms of run game EPA per play, New England, they're ninth, but it's still negative. It's negative 0.042 EPA added per play when they run the football. Who checks in number one overall? Indianapolis, with a rush EPA of .085 per play, which is double, actually more than double, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who check in at second at 0.042 rush EPA per play. We talk about a team having a plan, right? Patriots, they're going to run the football. Coach, we're going to stop the run. These teams are almost mirror images of each other in a sense. Slightly distorted mirror images because, you know, in in terms of how the, the Colts look to attack in the passing game off of play action, it's, you know, it tends to be a bit more vertical, even though the yards per attempt difference. Jones's yards per attempt jumps more than Wentz's. Part of that's also influenced by where Jones's yards per attempt is on, not on traditional dropbacks, too. So you keep that in mind. But these teams are, in many ways, mirror images of each other, right? They both want to run the football. They're both good at running the football. The Colts, statistically, better at running the football in terms of rush EPA or DVOA in the run game. Both teams good at stopping the run. Colts, arguably, a little bit better at stopping the run. And both teams like to lean on play action. So something's got to give on Saturday night. Now, maybe this is the Mac Jones breakout game. Maybe this is a night where Mac Jones says, you know what? I'm going to throw it all over the park. We're going to have some fun doing it. Maybe so. But it's going to make it one heck of a game to watch. Um, so I'm excited. You should be excited too. Uh, in terms of what things will look like over the next couple of days, we're actually going out of town, kids. Going out of town for a little long weekend. And so I'm going to be in the middle of uh, nowhere. I'll just put it that way. Uh, over the weekend, but I will try to get on the microphone. It might not be right away, 
might be a little bit delayed for a, a post-game show. It might not be till Tuesday or even Wednesday that I get a chance to, to drop something. But we'll break this game down when it's all said and done. That will do it for today. I'll be back at some point. Enjoy the bowl games. Enjoy all the football and all the fun this weekend. Stay safe. Please stay safe. COVID spike, it's happening again. So take precautions. Check it on your neighbors. Check it on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sit along. And bless those Patriots' reign. Down in Foxborough.